Hello, everybody. You have the entire Griever family here today, Cooper included. So if you hear some heavy breathing in the background, don't worry. Nothing creepy is going on. It is all Cooper. He is excited and wants to participate. We are here with... He has a lot to say. He does have a lot to say. We are coming to you today with 12 of our favorite books that have really impacted our lives. One of the things that we always ask our podcast guests are the books that they have read that are their favorites. And we've got quite the long list of books to read because many of them have brought new ones to our attention and we are super excited about that, which means we just need to go out of town so we can read for days and days. But we've had some books that we've read over the past few years that have really had an impact on us. And so we want to share a quick overview of them with you. Welcome to the Everson Cooper Podcast. We are entrepreneurs that are interested in what makes people successful. In this podcast, we sit down with a wide range of people with diverse perspectives and backgrounds. We dive into the obstacles that they've had to overcome, their successes, unique experiences, and everything in between. Our goal is to continuously learn from those around us and share their knowledge so that we can all find something that makes us better and makes those around us better. We hope you enjoy. So what is going to be the first book that you're going to talk about? So you, you should be up first. You, you did the whole beautiful, awesome intro. So you get to go first. What's your Aww, first book? You're so sweet, babe. Well, okay. So I have a little bit of a story before we start these books. Back a few years ago, Andy and I went on our honeymoon. It was like two years after we got married. So what is that? 2015, we went on our honeymoon. We were going to the Caribbean, which was amazing. And of course, bringing books to read because all we really want to do when we go to the beach is lay there and read books and maybe have some cocktails. I don't know. So we are driving to the airport and Andy was like, oh, dang it. I forgot all my books on my desk. You know, he had laid out all these books. And was so disappointed that he forgot them. And I said, you know what, babe, don't worry. Because the hotel, not the hotel, the airport has books in the, you know, in their stores and stuff. We can just go there and grab some. And he was like, I don't know. Like, are they really going to have any good books for us to read? I was like, babe, it's going to be totally fine. Yeah, I'm not really a Tom Clancy fan. Like <laughs> Tom Clancy and uh, who's the guy? Um, Stephen King. Man, their books are all over the airport. I was like, eh, that's not really they my thing. They are all over the airport and that is not exactly our forte, but that is yeah. a-okay. So Andy was just kind of like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not going to find any books there. So we get to the airport and we go buy some water and, you know, overpay for that and do all the things and we're looking at books and we find two, one called The Power of Habit and one called Triggers. I was like, see, babe, look at this. Look how awesome these are. We totally found some books. We are going to read like crazy. Well, that week we both read like both of them. So we basically read a book each and then swapped and it was awesome. Well, Triggers is by Marshall Goldsmith. And while that was an excellent book, the favorite of his that I have read is What Got You Here Won't Get You There. So Marshall Goldsmith wrote this book as well. And it is such a beautiful book. And it was really eye-opening for me to read. And I feel like when I was reading it, it was one of those moments where I was like, man, I know where I am and I know what I'm doing, but this is not where I want to be and this is not where I want to go. But boy, oh boy, do I have a lot of reflection and things to, to think about as we're 
growing and, and moving on. And so this book was really one that pushed me and pushed me hard to reflect on who I am and what I need to do to be successful. So what is, before you go into it, what is the premise of the book and why is, why is it important? Why did it speak to you? Cause so for people that may not be familiar with the book, like what, why was it written? What is like the, the goal of the book? So the whole book is about the habits and the attitudes that we have about ourselves and the people around us and how that's actually holding us back to where we get, where we want to be. So we have in our heads, oh, well, I've done this, this, and this, and I've operated this way, that way, and the other way, and I've done this for years, and I've always thought this way, I've always operated this way, this is how it is, and you expect that attitude and those behaviors to get you to where you want to be. But the reality is, we are not today who we want or need to be to have the success that we want to have in the future. And this whole book talks about the importance of some of the main habits that you have to reflect on if you want to change and be more successful. And then, of course, like many books, talks about the importance of gratitude and feedback. So it really focuses on how important it is to be thankful and grateful to the people around you, especially those that are working for and with you. And then to ask for feedback and truly take it. People's perceptions of you are important when it comes to leading an organization or a community or a group, whatever it is that you're doing. And you're not going to be able to find out what people think in that regard without getting and accepting feedback. So it's really important to have an organization where you make it safe for people to provide that feedback for you. It's important to be grateful to the people that have had an influence on you in your life. And it's important to recognize that some of the habits that you may have now may not get to may not get you to where you are. And a lot of the habits that we have are really focused on ourselves and, you know, what I think is right and wrong and how I, you know, sometimes people think it's most important to be right. And sometimes it's just most important to be quiet and let things play out. So it really digs into those things. And it was very, very self-reflective. And I really appreciated that. Well, and, and talking about gratitude, he one of the things that I had underlined or highlighted or whatever was a, a line in the book that says, gratitude is a skill we can never display too often. And you're right, a lot of the books that we'll probably talk about today have that key that it is about gratitude. It's not about just being grateful for what you have and being you know content and saying, well, you know, I've worked you know hard. This this uh, I've gotten to this point. You know, I should just be grateful and I shouldn't keep, keep, you know, pushing on. Like, no, no, you should. But you wake up every single day. You're grateful for where you are because you're going to continue to move forward. You're grateful for what you've experienced. Uh, so that's kind of the key thing that, that he talks about. And then one of the other things that I uh, read about was or that I really liked was the blind spot quadrant. And you mentioned that, you know, you have to create this feedback loop. And it's not about getting it right. You know, I think a lot of people, and he talks about this in the book, a lot of the leaders that um, he, the, the, the case studies, so ultimately, so to back up a little bit to give some more context, he is a business consultant and he wrote this book about several different businesses that he had gone in and consulted with. And his main purpose was to consult and teach, lead, guide, 
people that are incredibly already incredibly successful within their companies. You know, it could be you know large publicly traded companies, could be uh, independent you know entrepreneurial type companies. You know, whether it's IBM or whether it's you know Joe's Pies down the street, they have him come in and consult. And because they're wanting to get to a certain point, look, and, and one of the ones that I think I remember was it was this big, I think it was like a tech company or something. And this guy was a vice president. He'd been with the company for about eight or nine or 10 years, incredibly successful. But they were kind of grooming this guy to come into the, uh, the, the executive, you know, into an executive role, into the C-suite. But he had some issues with some of the other employees along the way. And they said, look, we have to we have to help him work past this for him to really be successful. We can see the potential, but we need someone to, you know, help him, you know, get to that point. And the guy, you know, he hung on to, you know, a lot of these habits and said, look, man, this this is the way that I am. And that's a lot of the premise of the book saying, don't use that as an excuse. Well, this is who I am. This is the way that I was raised. This is how I've always done it. Well, great. Then you then you should be happy with where you are and don't want any more, because if you've and and it's the, you know the purpose of the title of the book but going back to the blind spot quadrant <clears throat> as a leader you have to be able to allow the people that you work with whether they work underneath you or whether they're your colleagues or whatever you have to allow the people to have their input to be able to get it right as a group rather than oh no the leader he walks in the room and he has all the answers it's not a thing Certainly not a thing for a company that's going to continue to be successful and continue to be a, a trailblazer in whatever industry. It's going to be the guy that, you know, is is mopping the floors, but he hears the meeting every time. He's like, oh, man, I, you know, I, I remember someone such and such saying that, hey, guys, you should go back and think about this. And so you, it's not always the guy that's sitting at the end of the table in the boardroom that's going to, that's going to have the answers. And that was one of the things that that um, Marshall Goldsmith talked about, and it really was it. I, I would like to think that we have structured our company like that. The people that we have in our company, man, they have a lot to say. So they, they get they get to express their opinions a lot, and you know sometimes it's challenging. You know, we're like, oh my gosh, like this is that's not really what I wanted to hear, but it's certainly what we needed to hear. Well, Cooper certainly has a lot to say about that. <laughs> He gives yeah. us more than enough feedback. Yeah, yeah. Cooper's given some some feedback there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff in there. So, if you are looking for a book, uh, maybe if you're you're thinking that you're plateauing, uh, or that you know you have some habits or behaviors, or your company as a culture has some habits or behaviors and how you can work past them, whatever. This is a great book uh, for that reason. It is really good. We I reference it. Uh, pretty regularly, probably at least once or twice a month, I'll go back and, and thumb through and uh, I, cause, because I know that I read something in the book. So it's a really great book. Marshall Goldsmith is the author. It's called What Got You Here Won't Get You Yet. What Got You Here Won't Get You There. I like it. What are we going to do next, babe? So I think we should rewind a little bit. <clears throat> I think to around the same time period, but go back to at least on the real estate side for us, what sparked the real estate fire? What sparked the fire to create Everson Cooper and why we are in real estate investments is a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Oh, man. That book was so life-changing for us. A friend of ours was helping consult on some design things that we were going to do in our personal home. 
And we told her that we wanted to start investing in real estate at some point. We wanted to turn our own house into a rental whenever we were going to move and just express the interest that we had in getting involved with that. And she said, oh my gosh, you have to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We have rentals. Our kids have read it. I mean, it is a great book. So, of course, I go and get on Amazon because, duh, where else do you buy anything? And ordered it. And I read that book in about two days max. And the whole time I would look at Andy and I'd be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, you have to read this book as soon as I'm done. And then I keep reading it. Oh, my gosh. You have to read this book as soon as I'm done. And it really got us thinking about the mindset that successful entrepreneurs have and what it takes to really be a business owner and not just self-employed. And so it was a huge spark for us. They, it, The book taught us so much. We've learned a lot from Robert Kiyosaki and are so grateful for that. And so the whole book is really just about the mindset of an entrepreneur and and really having the mindset of, of being the rich dad and not the dad that's, oh man, we can't afford this, we can't afford that, oh, we'll never be able to get there but rather be like, okay, what do I need to buy to pay for that thing? So the superficial example that he provides in the book is his wife wanted a Mercedes or a Lexus or some fancy a car, yeah. a Mercedes. Okay. And they bought a property at a multifamily or a single mm -hmm. family property that the cash flow paid for her car. So, okay, great. And it's just the mindset of that of, okay, I want this thing. Well, what is it? How much money do I need to make? Or what do I need to invest in? Or what do I need to get involved in to pay for that thing? And that was huge for us because we spent a lot of time worrying about we can't afford this, we can't afford that. How are we ever going to do this? And and really, quite frankly, being negative about money mm -hmm. and finances and how we were really going to get to where we wanted to be. And that book really opened our minds and made us realize like you don't have to be a millionaire to start investing in anything. You just have to start. And it was a huge spark for us and quite frankly, changed our lives. Well, and it was a big thing for me. And so, you know, we're, we're always, um, you know, creatures of our, of our upbringing. And this is certainly, it's not a, a critique of, of my, you know, my parents or my upbringing, but I had not really been exposed to very many entrepreneurs growing up and even into, you know, my early twenties as always. I you know, really until I was 26, 27, the only things that I really knew that I really dug deep into was sports. And of course, I played baseball for you know years and years and years and school. And then my first career was in sports and school. <laughs> and so that's not always the most entrepreneurial of cultures. And so reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it really, for me, took everything and, and turned it on its head. And I think one of the opening lines of the book was... Uh, you know, him could creating this contrast between, quote unquote, his two different dads, his poor dad, which actually was his real dad, and his rich dad, which was his friend's dad that owned businesses, you know, in Hawaii, grew up and, uh, you know, seemingly didn't work, but worked all the time and had a lot of opportunities and a lot of money and um, a lot, I should say a lot of wealth because he was able to help other people create opportunities. And that's what he did for Robert and his friend. And the opening line said something like, my poor dad always told me to get a good education and get a job with a good company and so I could also have good benefits. And he said, you know, my poor dad did that, 
But then it seemingly my poor dad always had to go to work and had to go to work for someone else and wasn't always that happy with his job. So he said, if I'm going to follow his, his advice, well, he doesn't really seem that happy. He doesn't really seem that fulfilled. Well, okay, why would I follow his advice? And then his rich dad, you know, would have employees coming to him and asking him for more money. And his, his, his rich dad would say, well, what do you want to do? You know, maybe you need to go be the, you need to go be in charge of your own destiny, your own, you know, determine your own end result. Don't let someone else determine your own end result. And so for me, that really turned things on its head because at that point I had always just worked for other people. I was either a coach or I was a teacher or I, you know, was a lifeguard in high school or, or whatever. I'd always worked for other people that owned businesses and I didn't quite realize that, no, if you really absolutely want to put in your hands your end result and and determine, you know, your means for what you want to do, then it is. It's, it's figure out how to be more entrepreneurial and, um, you know, you know own, own your own business and, and, and things like that. And, and then it really started to spark the fire for us about real estate. It started to remind me about my grandparents. We always tell that story, and, and Cooper as well. <laughs> Again, apologies for Cooper hawking up a hairball, I guess. It reminded me of my grandparents. My grandparents um, on my mom's side seemed to always just be in control and always just, you know, had... They, they had means and they were able to provide opportunities for other people. And part of it was is because they owned their own businesses. Uh, I mean, they weren't multimillionaires or anything like that. Certainly, you know, in my, in my, on my mom's side of the family, no one was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. But I was able to see my grandfather and my grandmother as well into their 90s now at this point. And they still have money coming in and it's not coming from the government. It's coming from the things that they own and the things that they help to create and the risks that they took as well. And that's, and Rich Dad Porter also talks about that is, you know, it's not, this isn't, you know, easy, make money fast, no risk. Like, no, you're, you're putting your neck on the line too, but it's, you know, the, the risk equals the opportunity that you can create for yourself. So incredible book. Uh, if anyone is um, having, struggling with the idea of becoming an entrepreneur and, you know, and, and kind of putting your neck on the line and, you know, you're, you're, Maybe a slave of the, and I hate to, I hate to use that word because that's not really that great of a word to use. But you're you're very beholden to the idea of no, I need to have that safety, I need to have that security, I need to have that paycheck every two weeks, I need to have that benefits, you know, in case you know something happens, I have this you know great insurance plan. If you're beholden to that, read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that'll help kind of put things you know turn it on its head. But if you like that, we're in full support of it. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you like your job and you're happy with what you're doing. That's amazing, but getting involved in some sort of investing or outside business that creates some extra cash flow is so crucial and really just such a blessing. All right, so I think we should go to The Go-Giver. I Great book. Love I love the story book. behind this behind this book. And I don't mean that I guess we'll we'll tell the story of how we came across these books, but I really do love the the story of of how we uh, were exposed to this book because it's something that something that I always say is you never know where your next opportunity is going to come from. And this is a perfect example of the go-giver. <clears throat> we were in Nashville in 2016, April of 2016. Had a little you know, long weekend vacation, mixed in some business as well. And we were in an Uber. And you know, I, we just, we just, I mean, we're, we're talking to people. We just like to, you know, 
chat up people. So we were chatting up the Uber driver and somehow we got to talking about books and, you know, whatever. And uh, he said, man, I'm reading this uh, book called The Go-Giver. Uh, he told us about it. And uh, we were like, man, well, okay, awesome. And I'm pretty sure like he told a great compelling story and get a great, gave a great synopsis of the book. And I think when we got back to the hotel, we like logged on to Amazon and boom, right there, like I mean, bought again, it. And where else would you buy anything? Yeah. So this book is, um, I really like it because it drives towards success. It takes the the word go-getter, you know, because you think of like, you know, this, this hard driving sales guy, you know, always getting after it, you know, tenacious, you know, you think about him as a go-getter and it, it tells a story of a guy who is in sales. He's working for a company and yeah, he's, he goes at it. He's, he's a hard, you know, um, he's a high achiever things or whatever. Well, he's hit a little bit of a, a rough spell, um, you know, I guess he had missed his, you know, sales numbers for two quarters in a row and he was, his back was up against the wall and he was always thinking about, okay, how can I get the sale? I need to get the sale. I need to, you know, convince these people to do it my way. And ultimately he was, he, you know, started to become uh, exposed to different people, incredibly successful people, uh, unbeknownst to him at that time, but incredibly successful people that had a lot of great connections, but it wasn't connections for self-serving purposes. It was connections to serve other people. And they had really had the idea of, they, they literally lived the, the idea that a rising tide raises all boats. And so that's why it's called the go-giver and not the go-getter because uh, Pindar, the, the main character in the book, uh, and this is actually, it's a fictional book, but it is a, you know, it's a self-development, professional development type of book. But nonetheless, Pindar, the main character of the book, says, look, if you really want to have amazing success, you want to have, you know, life-changing success and, you know, change the world around you, then you have to find ways that what you're going to offer, you know, the product or the service that you're going to offer should be focused on other people. How how do the other people that use your product, how uh, is the world better for what you are doing in the world? And 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 ultimately, you know, that after that, things kind of take care of themselves. And certainly there's a lot of work and risk and, you know, whatever put into it. But that's kind of the, the main overall idea of the book. And it's uh, it's been incredible for us. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that stands out to me the most that I can really picture that's described in the book is the guy that's struggling to make his quotas and really worried about, you know, anything that's very self-serving. He was also very, like, not wanting to give leads to other people. Something would come in and maybe he can't couldn't help that person, but he also wasn't willing to refer them to somebody who could help them. And by the end of the book, he had, you know, learned all of these beautiful things and he put into action referring a, a potential client to somebody else who could serve that client better. And it was amazing the success that he had after that when he realized that it's not a scarcity thing. Like that one client not being able to work with them, first of all, bless them and bless somebody else by putting the right people together. We cannot all serve everybody that comes our way in our business. And so it's really important to remember that there is enough space in this world and in even in our community for you to be as successful as you want to be. 
It does not matter how many other people are here doing the same thing you are doing. Your success is 100% up to you. And if you feel like you have to keep things to yourself or or keep clients to yourself and you're and you're hiding those things and you're not really willing to share with others how you got to where you are or anything like that that might make them successful, you're really em- embodying that scarcity mindset and that's definitely where this guy started and by the end of the book he realized how much abundance there really is and how successful he could be and how successful others around him that did the same thing could be and I've just never forgotten that and I love that about this book so you have got to check out The Go-Giver by Bob Berg it is an excellent read. So a couple of things that I did pull out of this book and I really do want to share them I promise you I'm not going to read the whole book Uh, but there were some things that really that I think we try to live by every day and we run our business by every day. Um, and so ultimately, yeah, the, uh, the kind of the main key to the book is the secret of success is giving. And then uh, the main character tells, um, I guess the, you know, the, the, the go getter type type of guy up and comer. Um, it says, does it serve? Does it add value to others? If so, then you can finally ask, does it make money? And then uh, further, he kind of goes on and talks about um, uh, if you want more success, find a way to serve more people. And then uh, lastly, uh, your influence is determined by how abundantly you put other people's interests first. And that's a key thing, part of this book, and that's a key thing of really all of these books we're about to talk about is the, is abundance. Um, you know, it's not a, well, uh, I have to win, and so that person can't win. You know, or oh, that person has a lot of success, man. So they're going to take they're going to take away from you know part of the success that I can have, and we don't we don't believe that at all. And a lot of these books, nearly all of these books that we that we read, and a lot of the people that we surround ourselves with think the same thing. So that's re- that's really great. And then lastly, there's um, the book talks about you know the five laws of stratosphere stratospheric success, and it kind of just you know talks a little bit about the same type of stuff here. You know about your influence and you know putting other people's interests first. Uh, so the go-giver, there's actually a series uh, of go-givers. Uh, we, there's a go-giver leader. There's a go-giver sales. I think there's there's a couple others we haven't read, but I've, we've read the leader. We, so the go-giver, just in general, uh, and then there's the go-giver leader and the go-giver sales, and there, there's some others. So Bob Berg uh, is the author. Um, great, great series of books. I think that we should go to Love Languages next. Let's switch it up just a little bit. Um, this is a book that was recommended to Andy and I gosh back when we were engaged or dating yeah, like or 2011 2012 something like there. that yeah and it was a total game changer for us and for our relationship so yes we're gonna get a little relationshipy here but I'm telling you this book is not just applicable to somebody that you are in a romantic relationship with there are love languages for kids and for others that we work with Everybody receives love in one of five ways, and they usually give love in the way that they receive it. So let's see, the five love languages are acts of service, physical touch, gifts, words of affirmation. What am I missing? Quality time. Quality time. Thank you, sir. And so my particular love languages are acts of service and gifts. So if Andy takes out the trash or folds the laundry or comes home with some flowers or I don't know, some Kendra Scott, (laughs) you know, I totally feel 
loved and adored with that. Like, yes, I want him to tell me that I'm beautiful. And yes, I want him to spend time with me and hold my hand and do those other love languages. But for me, the biggest thing that fuels me are acts of service and gifts. So because I receive love that way, that's how I give love. And so I will give him things or do something for him or fold his laundry or go buy you him You don't fold my laundry. Shoes. Okay, fine. I don't fold his laundry. <laughs> I am just using that as an example. But <laughs> let's, not, right. let's not spread right. untruths here. You're fair. Fair, fair. <laughs> but I mean, it's, you know, that uh, because that's how I receive love, that's how I express yeah. love. But the reality is that's not how Andy receives love. Andy, why don't you tell everybody what your love languages are? Yeah, so after reading the book, you know, and it's funny when you're reading the book and you're reading um, the description of the love languages, you know, you're sitting there like nodding your head like, oh my gosh, yes, that's me. Or, you know, for, for you, I was thinking about you. Oh my gosh, oh, that's totally Elizabeth. And so for me, my two, and really the, like, there's two dominant love languages is, is why you mentioned that you have two. And so for me, the two dominant love languages uh, are words of affirmation and physical touch. And so that's that's how I, I mean, I, like I tell Elizabeth all the time, like, man, you are a rock star. And we have these little like high five notes uh, that we got way back when. And you could like do little check marks and like you rock, you, you know, showered today, you're employed, you dyed your <laughs> shoes. You know, just funny stuff like that. But it creates like words of affirmation being like, you know, look, I'm paying attention. I notice you. I notice all the, the small things that you do. And I notice all the amazing things that you do. And so words of affirmation are huge for me. And, you know, physical touch, uh, you know, I, I like I grew up in a family. My mom was incredibly affectionate, too. And it's funny because, you know, me and my brothers, we, it's, you know, it's my mom and me and my two brothers. So there's three, you know, three boys. And she's very much a tomboy, you know, per, per person, you know, good for her because she had three, you know, boys. Um, but she was still very in, incredibly affectionate. She would always kiss us on the forehead, you know, like before a baseball game, you know, like she would like hug us and, you know, whatever. Um, and so like uh, that definitely is a, uh, I was a creature of my upbringing. And so therefore that's how I show and I give love too, is through words of affirmation and physical touch. And so when we read that for each other, it was like a, like, a, you, you know, when you like do something silly and you like kind of smack yourself on the forehead, you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, oh, I can't believe it. it took me so long to figure this out. And we figured that out for each other. And now that is, that helps in our communication as well. Yeah, for you sure. You know, for, to, to be sure that we are connected to each other, to be sure that we are communicating correctly, to be sure that we are engaging each other, how uh, we prefer to be engaged, but also it also makes us aware of how the other person needs to feel engaged. Incredible game changer for our relationship. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember Andy used to always say to me things like, you're the best or something like that. And I'm like, well, thanks. You know, I appreciate that. It's not like I'm trying to be rude or anything. It just wasn't very like fulfilling to me. But then after we read that book and I realized that he get receives love through words of affirmation, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. He needs to hear those types of things. And so now I really try and make an effort to say the things that I'm already thinking in my head, but making sure that I'm expressing them out loud to him so that he really gets and feels that love. And the reason that this is applicable to business and to us talking about this on our podcast is because it is 100% the same thing with the people that you work with and for and that work for you. It's absolutely so crucial to find out 
how those people work, how they receive love, what is important to them, how they communicate so that you can communicate in a way that they will hear. Because you could say or do something over and over and over again, but if they don't receive that thing, it's not going to get through to them. And then you're going to cause frustration and tension and all these negative things. So it's really important to know the love languages of the people that you work with, the people that are on your team, so that you can communicate in a way that serves them. And that needs to be your focus is what do they need so that I can communicate well with them. So it is a fabulous book to read if you're in a romantic relationship or just want to read to learn about people and how they give and receive love. And you can apply that to your business and your team. I promise it is a game changer. What do you want to go to next, babe? We'll focus on you. You read this book and it's been incredibly influential to you. Ask and it is given. Oh my goodness. So I was recommended, that book was recommended to me a couple years ago from a new networking contact that I now continue to have a relationship with and I am super grateful for. And he told me about this book and how it's, it's a lot about the law of attraction and how important it is to really really be willing to receive and to attract the things that you want. And to put those things out there in the universe and be excited about them. So when you're setting out goals for yourself and for your business, it's not, oh man, I really hope we, you know, make a million dollars next year. It's like, oh heck yeah, we're going to make a million dollars next year. And you really put that out there and you believe that and you start attracting the things, the opportunities, the circumstances that are going to get you to that. Now, I can't sit on my couch and say, I'm going to make a million dollars next year and then turn on Netflix. Like, not a thing. I have to say those words and then go out and do. Do things, ask ask questions, find new opportunities to get involved, to give back, to build my business, to build myself as a person. I mean, you it absolutely takes action. No doubt about it. You cannot ask and expect something to be given to you if you're just sitting around. But... The book really made a difference for me in how I was thinking about things and how I was thinking about things that I wanted. And instead of being upset that I didn't have something, I was able to be excited about it. Imagine what it was going to be like to have it, to have the goal, to have the thing, whatever it is, and to really appreciate when I'm going to get it, but where I am right now and the time that I am and the season that I am and the work that I'm doing now that's going to get me to where I want to go. Because the biggest thing is to enjoy the journey. If you do not enjoy the journey and all the things that you need to do to get to that million dollars or whatever the goal is that you want in your life or in your business, you're, you're not going to get there because the journey is the most important part. So Asking and Is Given is, it's a very, very unique book. It is written very uniquely. The concept and, and the premise are, are quite unique. So, you know, you definitely have to have an open mind when reading this book. But I'm telling you, it is beautiful. And it is totally worth getting uncomfortable and reading something that's really going to change your mind and your perspective and the energy that you are putting out in the universe. So it's an awesome read. <laughs> Cooper agrees. Cooper agrees. Cooper likes it. <laughs> What do you want to go to next? Let's talk about the seven habits of highly effective people. I think most people that listen to our podcast are have read this book or at least are familiar 
But this book, I mean, this is a book that is incredibly pervas- pervasive uh, <laughs> in the word. business world, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. We read this years ago. Uh, what You've got to look on your face. I totally want to say something. So last night, and yes, I okay, I guess I shouldn't date this podcast, but Recently, we were at the Vell Institute Legacy Awards dinner, which was a beautiful evening, by the way. And just a little side plug, if you want to get involved with the Vell Institute, you absolutely should look them up on Facebook. There are many beautiful things that are going on. But last night, Judge Wayne Mack was our keynote speaker. He is amazing and so funny, by the way. And he was show he showed us the very first like personal professional development kit that he bought years and years and years ago. He spent a hundred dollars on it, which was a lot of money. And it was a cassette tape version of the seven habits of highly effective people. And he still carries that with him. And the reason why he keeps that cassette tapes of the seven habits of highly effective people is a reminder to him of the investment that he made in himself and how important and crucial those habits are in his life. And it and and it demonstrates to him where he came from, the things he's, he's been through, where he is now, and where he's going. And I just love that he has kept for years and years a cassette tape version of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and how crucial this book was to him and his life both and his success both personally and professionally so I just had to throw that in there because that was like one of my favorite things he said last night among about 27 other yeah I'm pretty sure we could just read the entire book because every word in that book is has incredible meaning incredibly dense book for knowledge and application uh but really I'll just I'm gonna say two different two different things that that I took away from the book and I'm not going to go through seven different habits, but uh, the two, two biggest things. And we just talked about this is the abundance mentality. And I think this was the first book that we read that I read that actually like articulated it that way. And uh, Stephen Covey said, look, there are basically two different mindsets that you can have in this world. You can have the scarcity mindset that everything can be taken. Everything can be lost that people are out to get you, you know, whatever. Or you can have the abundance mindset of saying, look, man, People can be incredibly successful right along with you. You can have incredible success and the person sitting next to you can have incredible success. And that doesn't mean that you're competing against each other. And so the abundance mentality was huge. And then the other thing was seek first to understand, then to be understood. And I think even 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 today, probably even more so today, you know, with social media and whatever, I'm not going to you know get into that, but... There are so many people out there trying to be understood. You know, like, I want to be understood. You need to understand me. And, and and I agree that that's incredibly important. You know, certainly we want to be understood. You don't want to live in a world that you're not being understood. But how many times are, are these people and even ourselves, we catch ourselves, I catch myself doing this on a daily basis, is are you standing across from someone and saying, you know what, I'm going to be quiet. I've got two ears and one mouth. I'm going to listen first. I'm going to see, okay, what, what's going on with you? What what can I do to help you first or enrich you first? Okay, now let me, you know, tell you how I can be understood. And so, yeah, seek first to understand. I'm sorry, seek first to understand, then be understood. Incredibly powerful. 
it's a really important habit to implement every single day all the time and especially when you're having differing beliefs about something whether it's as basic as something trivial you know at home with your partner or spouse that you you know don't understand each other all the way up to like political and religious beliefs that are so important to people and it really is crucial to seek first to understand you have to understand that other person before you can ever expect them to understand you the habit that I love is to begin with the end in mind. I just think it is so important to do that when you want to reach new goals in your life or start something new in your business. You really have to figure out what is what is the end result that I want here and then backtrack from there and what is it going to take to get there. And every type of goal planning session you could ever have starts with this you have to begin with the end in mind so whether it's something minor or something some huge change you're going to implement you have to begin with the end in mind so this book I think we could talk about forever and ever we really could go through every single habit and talk about their importance they are all very important and it is an excellent book and an excellent read so the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey pick it up yeah we could do like just a whole podcast not even one episode. Like you could just have a daily podcast <laughs> on the seven habits of highly effective people. So full. Okay. <clears throat> I would like to talk about Rich Habits. It's a very short book, um, but very, very powerful book. And at the same time as when I, so I actually, I think I read these books back to back, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then Rich Habits. And uh, this guy, Stephen Corley, um, I'm sorry, not Stephen Corley, Tom Corley. Uh, is the author, and he basically did a case study of I think it was a couple hundred quote unquote rich people, and and he and he qualifies what rich people uh, meant like me, and they weren't living you know paycheck to paycheck month to month. They you know had you know they were you know their net worth was you know into the millions you know multi millions, and then he did a case study of a couple hundred poor people quote unquote, and he qualified them as basically you know they had to rely on you know, government subsidies, they, you know, had a lot of, ma- a lot of debts, um, you know, very little money in the bank, you know, whatever. And, and so if, if you're, if you're curious on what the qualifications were, you can certainly can, uh, he's got a blog, he talks about it, you know, whatever. But what he did, he distilled it down to basically what people that are incredibly wealthy, what the rich people do on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, and what people do that are poor, what they do on a daily basis, you know, weekly basis. It's not about like, you know, playing golf and, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, so for example, here's one of the statistics. He said that 67% of self-made millionaires watched less than one hour of television every day. On the contrary, 77% of the poor people in his book watched more than one hour of television. So just a big contrast, you know, between that, like, how are you spending your time? And, and, and that's really what I took away from it. It's not like, oh, so I just need to do, I need to watch less TV and I'll make more money. Well, no, it's, you know, what are you doing with that time that you're not spending watching television? Uh, another part, another uh, good statistic, I'm not going to say every statistic, but 94% of millionaires saved at least 20% of their income as they were you know, as they were, you know, going along and as they were working for other people. On the contrary, 95% of poor people save less than 10% of their income. You know, so again, he's drawing uh, a contrast there. And I'm trying to think of like one of the, 
you know, biggest, um, biggest statistics or eye-opening statistics uh, there, there was, but uh, nonetheless, it's a very short book. I mean, you can, if you picked it up, I think it's like a hundred pages. I think I read it in like however long it takes me to read a hundred pages, like 20 minutes. I don't know. I'm a, I guess I'm kind of a slow reader. So maybe it took me like two or three hours. Elizabeth, somehow she reads these books in like five minutes and then, you know, she's like, yeah, I read this book. Da, 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 da. I'm like, dude, that took me like three days to read. So, but, um, great book. It's called Rich Habits by Tom Corley. He also has a daily blog. I, I mean, I subscribe to it and it kind of just reinforces, you know, um, you know, the habits and he continues his, uh, you know, his research, uh, on, on different types of habits that you, you know, should take part in and different types of habits that you probably should avoid if you want to continue to, you know, build your wealth and, and build your influence and build your ability to create opportunities. I love that. You always are forwarding me the, no, excuse me, the great things that he has on his blog. So I definitely encourage you guys to subscribe to it. They're always really short reads and it is super, super awesome book. So how about how to win friends and influence people? Dale Carnegie. Oh my goodness. Dale Carnegie and all the things that come out of the, his foundation are so amazing. And I'm just going to read this little quote. Not this little quote. I mean, it's a short quote, but it's a huge deal from his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It says, it is the individual who is not interested in his fellow men who has the greatest difficulties in life and provides the greatest injury to others. It is from among such individuals that all human failures spring. And I just, that is so like, I don't know, it kind of hits you hard to be like, man, it really is so crucial to be the interested, not interesting. And I don't know if I just stole one of your lines there, Andy, but <laughs> that is something that Andy always says yeah, and always, always say that. oh yeah, because it, it because it's so true. I would rather sit there and listen to other people tell me their story, their why, about their life, about their business all day long because it's not about me. It's about them. And that's how that's how it goes. Like that's how we do our networking and that's how we do our community outreach. Like it is about them and what do they need and who they are. Well, that's and one of the reasons why we have guests on our podcast. Obviously, I guess it's a little ironic that we're doing this now, but <laughs> yeah, we don't have a guest on our podcast, but we because we want to share, we are we literally are interested in what our guests we have on our podcast, what they're doing, how they got there, the challenges, the obstacles, their successes, everything. And so, yeah, we're, we try to demonstrate that as much as possible. Oh, absolutely. And I can't say that we've always been that way or that we've always been perfect um, or that we are now because we are far from it. However, this book really was eye-opening to us about how important it is to be the one asking the questions and to be the one who's interested because that's really how you can make a difference for people and that's how you can help them and that's how you can just enrich their lives. So this book was really eye-opening for me in that regard. And it is something that, like I said, Andy always says, be interested, not interesting. And he is always reminding me and us of that. And it's just crucial. Well, on the, to piggyback on one of the quotes that you made and not to be redundant, but, um, you know, Dale Carnegie says in the book, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. Uh, and, and it's so true, and it, and it really is. And and it's a great reminder for Elizabeth and, and me, and and you know the people that we are surrounded by, to you know again you, you have two ears and you have one mouth. That doesn't mean that you need to be subservient and you know never talk and never you know share your opinion or speak your mind, but you know surround yourself with people who 
you know, you are interested in first and they'll, they'll be interested in you for sure. And we're surrounded by a bunch of amazing people. Uh, and then, uh, just two other things he talks about, um, Andrew Carnegie. And, you know, if you're not familiar with Andrew Carnegie, one of the America's like first billionaires, you know, incredibly, uh, wealthy in the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, U.S. Steel, I believe, was was the company. Uh, anyway, uh, Andrew Carnegie said he spent significant time and effort to remember people's names. And that is something that I really do try to do and is is to be, I think that's like the number one way you can demonstrate respect and demonstrate that you are interested in a person is, you know, you're, you remember their name. And, I'm, and I'll catch myself. And of course, you know, we, we go to networking things all the time. And I guess sometimes maybe I'm not the greatest, you know, listener or hear, I can't hear the greatest. I don't know. Um, but, you know, like in a crowd, sometimes, you know, you'd be interested, you know, you'll be introduced to someone and they'll say, hey, my name is Tom. And you may not, you might not hear them. I really see, and I'm not trying to brag on myself, but I'll like, before I let go of their hand, when I'm shaking their hand, I'll like, just hold on to it one for, for one quick second. I'm sorry. What did you say? What was your name? Tom. Okay. Tom, very nice to meet you. Uh, because it is, it's uh, like, I don't know what the science is behind it, but certainly there are books about, you know, when you remember someone's name, you, they, they're going to, they're, they're going to be interested in you and you're showing interest in them. So remembering people's names, I think is just, you know, you're, 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 you're literally just demonstrating that you are, you know, listening to them and you're showing an interest in them. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're trying to focus on that as much as possible. And then he just, you know, talks about, uh, later on in the book, it's just about being a good listener. Um, and just, you know, to not be redundant, but it is about being a good listener and that's how you can grow your influence. And this is, and, and not saying this, you know, because all this has, um, you know, an ulterior motive, you know, like, oh yeah, we're doing all these things so we can manipulate people. That's not what it's about. Um, but you know, certainly, you know, if you're in sales, you own a company, certainly you want to have success. And so these are ways that you can continue to grow your success, but then also that these are ways that you can ultimately share your success with other people. And that's the biggest thing. And that goes back to a lot of the books is like sharing what makes you successful. And the people that wrote these books shared the things that they learned through their own experiences and the experiences of others to be successful. And the most successful people out there share their successes they share their failures and they show you how you can get there too and i just love that and all of these people and all of these books are mentors to us and we're just so grateful for the people that have recommended these books to us or just the you know recommendations on amazon even that are like hey you read this book you should read this one too and we'll just grab it and check it out and it has been amazing so speaking of another amazing book i would like to go to the 10x rule Oh, I was gonna say, let's do start with why. The 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 10x rule. I like, we we should we should save that to the end. <laughs> yeah, we should All go. Right. We should we, we should do start with why. Okay, let's yeah, go. Yeah, because we we why. read that before the 10x rule. This is true. Okay. All right. So Simon Sinek. Uh, I hope I pronounced his name. I don't know Simon Sinek. Anyway, um, uh, is the author of Start with Why. He also wrote uh, Leaders Eat Last and a couple other books. Just inc- awesome, awesome author. If you have a chance to. Uh, read several of his books, but start with why. And ultimately, it uh, this book talks about, you know, if you are it, not even just about business owners, but just in general about whatever that you are doing, whatever your purpose is, whether you're an employee or whether you're a, just a single, you know, a, a, you know, a stay-at-home 
parent or you're a business owner or whatever, it's okay, what is your purpose? What is your why? Why are you doing the things that you do? Why do you wake up every single day? And it kind of really drills down into that. And then it kind of, you know, backs out and then it starts to talk about more like, okay, how can you grow your influence and, you know, the, 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 um, uh, the, not the sphere of influence, he calls it the, um, the cone, the cone of, of influence or whatever. Anyway, um, but so one of the, one of the best chapters that I really liked was a chapter called Carrots and Sticks. And it, it kind of drills down to why people make the choices that they make. Why companies focus on the customers that they focus on. Why you have the employees that you have. What type of culture are you building? It's about being purposeful. You know, every company wants to have its, have rock star customers. And every company wants to have rock star employees. Well, what are you doing? Why are you doing the things that you are doing to attract those customers, to attract those employees? Uh, and then uh, one of the one of the counterintuitive things that Elizabeth and I so so strongly believe, and uh, I remember having conversations in <laughs> actually in Las Vegas of all places uh, with. Um, uh, some members of her family that, you know, are business owners and uh, didn't quite agree with the points that we were making from this book. But basically, uh, it says, uh, take care of your employees first, and then they will take care of your customers. Because a lot of people talk about, you know, oh, it's customer first, it's customer centric, you know, it's all about the customer, the customer is always right. And, you know, the book talks about, well, not really, you know, you, what would you rather have, you know, uh, a thousand terrible customers or a hundred amazing customers that are always, they always, you know, whatever, pay on time or they give you referrals or they keep bringing you great business. Or would you rather have a thousand customers that you just burn through and they don't care one bit about your business? And so, uh, and he talks about uh, Southwest Airlines. Uh, Herb Keller uh, was the uh, CEO back, I think, like late 60s, early 70s. And Southwest, uh, it really, they, they have, and still to this day, unfortunately, I don't fly Southwest very often, but they have an amazing culture. It's because they take care of their employees because their employees' job is to take care of the customers. And Herb Keller said, look, if we don't take care of our employees, they're not going to take care of our customers. And and one person, the CEO or just the executive office, we, we can't take care of all of our customers. We have to have employees and we have to have happy employees. So if an employee is having a bad day, rather than saying, suck it up, you got customers to serve, say, okay, well, what's going on? What, what can we do? How, how can we help you? Because we want you to help our customers. That's how we're going to stay in business. But to stay, be able to stay in business, you have to have the employees to serve those customers. And so it's, uh, it's kind of a counterintuitive way of looking at it, but it is something that Elizabeth and I believe in wholeheartedly. And I would like to think that that's the culture that we're creating within our own company uh, with the employees that we have. Saying, you know, like we, we seriously care about our employees uh, because we know that they're going to go and take care of, you know, the things that they need to take care of. So, yeah, great book. Start with why Simon Sinek absolutely loved it. I don't really have that much more to add. You did such a beautiful job explaining everything and really getting to the heart of this book. Um, I think the thing is for me is just the profile that he did on multiple companies and how they really made decisions based on their why. And they didn't go after the next greatest thing or what's going to make them the most money or any of those types of things. Their focus was, why are we doing this? And does this fit with our why? And if it does, then they would focus on pursuing it. And I just think that that is so crucial in all the things you're doing. I say that word a lot, crucial. Apparently, I don't have a very wide vocabulary today, but that's okay. 
Start With Why is an excellent book. It is worth a read. Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Brace yourselves. The 10X rule. I think our listeners are at least aware of the book, if not most of them or a good good fraction of them have read this book. This book is like a cup of coffee on paper. It, you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to change this and I'm going to change that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to keep reading and I'm going to keep reading. Okay, and, and the only reason that you want to stop reading the book is because you're like, you have a literally like your seat is on fire and you're ready to just blast off like a rocket. It's a great book. Um, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I even hesitate to say this, like, don't even read it, get the audiobook. <laughs> because if you listen to the audiobook, and, and of course we've listened to pretty much all of Grant Cardone's, uh, books now, um, on audiobooks now too, but, but the 10 X rules, we reread the 10 X rule first, probably two years ago, three years ago. And uh, now that's one of the books that I keep in my ears just on a regular basis. And a couple of his book, a couple of his other books, uh, "Sell or Be Sold," um, uh, "If You're Not First, You're Last." Um, uh, oh gosh, what's the one I have in my? I can't. Uh, oh, um, "Be Obsessed or Be Average," and he. The reason that I say the audiobooks are f- so phenomenal is because he doesn't read the book. He like I think he looks at the book to see where he's supposed to be in terms of the content, but he's just like going at it, kind of going off the cuff, and he's so passionate, he's so energetic, and you know he's, um, you know for our like Gulf Coast listeners, he's from Louisiana, uh, so he's got a little like you know Louisiana accent to him, which is very actually endearing. I'm not a big accent person, but that he's very endearing with the way that he talks. Uh, Awesome book. I I don't even know what I'm gonna say in terms of like what to to do to recap it. Um, I guess the, the two things that I have is uh, be uncomfortable, uh, and we talk about that a lot. He you know he says when when he was uncomfortable, when he was challenging himself, when he was like, dude, I really feel like a fish out of water. He's like, man, that's when I really grew. That's when I really created some success. A lot you know, and just ma- he, I think he says massive amounts, massive amounts of action, massive amounts of, of success. And then also he says, reach up in relationships and not meaning like, um, you know, be a name dropper and try to surround yourself with, with people, um, you know, that you can just go back to your buddies and say, Oh man, you'll never guess who I met today. But like be <laughs> for lack of a better term, be the dumbest person in the room, be the least successful person in the room, be the poorest person in the room, be the least experienced person in the room, because you're going to then grow your experience. You're going to find ways to grow your wealth. You're going to find ways to become smarter, become more motivated. Uh, so it talks about, you know, reach up in relationships. But I also think, you know, you know, Elizabeth, you and I do this for each other. Uh, obviously, we're not trying to, or at least I'm not, I'm not trying to find, you know, a new, a new partner. Uh, but we help each other to grow. You know, and I would think, you know, when we look at ourselves where we are now uh, to date, you know, we're in late 2018, where we were in late 2017, dude, so different, such different people. I mean, it's, you know, think of like the snake, you know, shedding its skin. We've shed multiple skins at this point just in a year. And we really encourage each other and, and challenge each other and help and motivate each other to do those things. Absolutely. This book was such a game changer for me. I remember reading this in January of 2017 actually uh we were visiting my grandmother and we had the 
the wonderful privilege of laying by the pool and reading. And I was going crazy reading and writing in this book. And it was one of those, again, where I was telling Andy, like, oh, my gosh, you have to read this book. You have to read this book. Except I had written all over it. So we ended up ordering him his own copy because I wrote everywhere. But one of my favorite things that he talks about in this book that I really appreciated was that he got really raw about how he didn't know how to do everything that he's done, but he figured it out and he pushed forward anyways. And one of the stories he tells is about how he got a television show. And not only was he rejected multiple times at the pitch, but then once he got somebody that was interested, they were telling him to slow down. And he literally says, I can tell you that I will, but I won't. And he just would not stop. He just wanted to keep going and keep pushing forward and keep figuring it out. And eventually he was able to land this television show and has been tremendously successful. And, the, you know, people were shocked at it because they had told him nobody wants to see a show about sales. And yet here he is hosting a very successful show about sales. And one of the things I underlined says, stay focused on the future. Be unreasonable about it. Continue to add wood and don't focus on what people say has to be done, can be done, or is possible. And I just, I mean, I made notes all over this page about all the things that I wanted to make sure that I kept doing and the wood that was adding to my fire. Like, what are the things that are the wood that adds to the fire? But one of my bullet points says, have fear and do it anyways. And he talks about how he was afraid of the... He had never been on television. He had never hosted a show. He had no idea what he was doing. He was scared, but he pushed through and he did it anyways. And it's just one of those things like, okay, I'm just going to go after this and I will figure it out along the way. He didn't try and figure it all out beforehand. He went after it and he figured it out along the way. And that has stuck with me. And I definitely agree with Andy. you got to download the book on whatever you use for audiobooks. If you are ever feeling unmotivated, all you got to do is listen to Grant Cardone, Cardone and you will be on fire. So please go download his books. They are super, super excellent and will be a game changer for you, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Anytime that I might be a little uh, deterred or not feeling motivated, seriously, I'll just put one of his books in my ears. And it's just like, I mean, he's like, just the way that he speaks, he could just say like, Andy, you should just go to bed. You should, you should sleep longer. And like, I would be motivated to do that. Like, yeah, Grant, you're right. Because it's just the way that he, it's just the way that he talks so much passion, so much fervor. Uh, but uh, a lot of great insight. Yeah. Great, great book. The 10X rule. Uh, have yourself a copy of the book. Put it in your ears as well. Fantastic. Um, I, yeah. I can't say enough good things about it. The last thing that I will say is, um, and again, this is, it speaks directly to me because going back to I was not I did not grow up an entrepreneur and I did not grow up of like abundant abundant means uh, and so no 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 excuse no you know whatsoever but um, and, and neither did Grant Cardone and so he talked about um, this is you know, straight from the book he said quote uh, this changed my mind about wealth and money there is no scarcity of wealth only those people that are creating wealth and I was like oh my gosh yeah you're totally right. Like if, dude, if you want wealth, don't wait for someone else to create it. And then you can get a little bit of it. Go and create, go and create your own. It's not about, and, and I certainly don't want people to think it's, you know, it's about wealth and money and money in the bank. It's that wealth creates opportunities. You know, wealth helps to create jobs, creates, you know, uh, opportunities for people to, 
you know, be, be more fulfilled and happier and things like that. And so that's why, you know, I try to say wealth a lot, but fantastic book, Grant Cardone, the 10 X rule. Awesome. Okay. So Elizabeth, the next two books, I don't think that you have actually read. Excuse me. I have read the miracle morning. Did you? Yes, absolutely. Oh, you did. You read The Miracle Morning? So rude. Oh. Listen, I know you're confused about whether I read The Miracle Morning or not because I don't like to get up in the morning. <laughs> and when I do get up in the morning, I may or may not hang out and eat, drink some coffee before I actually do anything. But I did uh, read I The Miracle Morning. Okay. And I will say that The Miracle Morning is probably part of the reason I don't have dessert sleep anymore. So, hmm, in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that you just mentioned dessert sleep. For the, for <laughs> what is the know, best? That's the that's the part of the morning that is not in the book, by the way, where Elizabeth wakes up. She starts to do part of her morning routine, you know, of the of the savers that we'll talk about. And uh, I think she adds, uh, no, yeah. So you, I think you do silence, affirmation, visualization, exercising, reading, and then instead of scribing for the last S, it's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes I'm real tired and I just need to go uh, back to so sleep. Funny. <laughs> All right. So the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Great story. Uh, not going to try and you know tell his, his story verbatim, but uh, basically it was about how he struggled. I think he was in a car accident and ultimately got like addicted to like painkillers and tried to just get out of that, um, you know, get out of that, uh, you know, that, that cycle, that loop or whatever. And basically what he did, he said, you know, I committed to myself. I was going to wake up earlier than I ever had. And not just so I could be awake and, and watch TV and, you know, just waste my time and, you know, search YouTube or whatever. But I was actually going to do stuff. I was going to do things that enriched my life, that made my day, you know, I, I primed myself for the day. And it breaks it out into six different things that he does uh, every day. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say, and certainly this is not bragging, I do these things every day. Um, and if Donald Thompson is listening, I think Donald Thompson now does these things every day. And this was an awesome book for, for him. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you don't have to be a morning person per se. I'm not, I don't think I naturally am a morning person, but, you know, I, I think I looked at, you know, our, our life and what we were doing and I was like, man, well, if we really want to build this company and create our own wealth and create our own opportunities for other people, I think I'm gonna have to get up. I'm gonna, you know, I, I'm, I can't, can't stay in bed past seven, past eight, past nine, whatever, on Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings or whatever. So ultimately, uh, he's, he wakes up, uh, you know, at five o'clock every day. And of course, you know, it can change, you know, based on time zones and travel and whatever. But anyway, for, 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 for sake of this, um, you know, he wakes up at five o'clock and he goes through six different things and he calls them savers, S-A-V-E-R-S. So, not necessarily in this order, but he, he gets all these done. So he spends a significant period of time, whether it's three minutes or 30 minutes in silence and he's reflecting and he's kind of just, you know, uh, having, you know, his, his, his God or his energy or, you know, whatever is, is the power that's greater than him, you know, speak to him and kind of just, you know, pour over him. And then he does affirmations. You know, he says, look, I'm, I'm grateful for this. I'm happy that I have this. I want to be able to do this. I can do this. Um, you know, whatever your version of, of affirmations is. And, and he, he talks about more about it in the book if you, you know, struggle with that. And that was something new for me. It was affirmations. I was like, what is this? Like, like self-talk, talking to yourself. Like, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm going to be successful. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so silly. And then I did it. And I was like, you know what? It actually, it does work because it's like, kind of calms my desire, calms my want, and it it motivates my action. 
and then visualization and that was another thing i just i just i just didn't get it i was like what what do you mean visualizing like like imagining like why would you imagine things go out and do it but again he talks about it's visualization it's visualizing how if you're going to have a big meeting you know if you're going to you know this meeting that you're going to close a deal you're going to visualize how it's going to go you're going to visualize you closing the deal. You're going to visualize yourself being successful. And then, then you want to go and you want to fulfill that. You want to create that action to go fulfill it. So silence, affirmation, visualization, and then exercise. Every day he does something. You know, whether it's, you know, 20, 30, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever, but it's something he gets his body in motion. Uh, he goes for a run or goes for a swim or bikes or stretches or whatever. Uh, you know, exercises every single day. And then he spends a period of time reading. Uh, reading, you know, whether it's technical reading or whether it's just personal development reading or or whatever, uh, you spend, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes reading. And then you spend a period of time writing, you're writing down your thoughts, you're writing down your challenges, you're writing down your successes, you're writing down, you know, w- what do you want to do? What are you afraid to do? What, what maybe did, have you not done yet? And you kind of feel like you're failing at it. And, and so you're writing it down. And so you're getting it out there so that you can continue to pursue it and, and become successful. And I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very happy with, with myself uh, that I've done this for pretty much the entire year now. Um, so every, every morning, uh, we, you know, Elizabeth and I, we wake up earlier than we ever have at this point in our lives. And, and we, we both go through our own morning routine. And I always tell people, uh, you know, look, I, I, I go, so I go to the gym. You know, part of the savers as exercise, I go to the gym every morning. And, you know, before the sun comes up and this isn't bragging, but it's, it's part of the day that gets me ready to go. So at four o'clock on a Tuesday, I'm not having to work on myself. I can work on other people. I can work on Elizabeth. I can work on our employees. I can work on our company, you know, whatever. Um, you know, at 8 PM, I'm not having to work on myself from 5 AM to 8 AM. That's my time. No one is expecting me to call them back. No one is expecting me to return an email. You know, there's no good television shows on, you know, whatever. That's my time. I can work on myself. I can get myself ready. Uh, Tony Robbins calls it priming for the day. You're priming yourself for the day. And uh, Tony Robbins is an incredibly successful person. And because he does, he spends the rest of his day helping other people. Uh, And so, yeah, I said, look, you know, I, I remember reading the book. And, you know, I was like, I feel like I'm on the right track, but man, this can help take me to another level. And I feel like it has, it's, it's taken us both to another level for sure. Uh, so a uh, great book, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. It'll it definitely will help change your mindset a little bit about the way that you approach mornings uh, and the way that you approach your, the, uh, you know, you really your day in general, because what you do the night before affects your morning as well. And that's a whole other story about, you know, what Elizabeth and I have changed, you know, f- basically after 8 p.m., uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the previous night. So uh, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, great, great book. So this last book I have read because you've read it to me. So I'm hoping that you will do two things for our listeners today. <laughs> One, I hope that you will tell them briefly about the book and why it is significant and why it is one of our 12 books that we have chosen to overview today and two i hope you will read it for them oh my they don't want to hear the whole book oh yes come on i am totally putting you on the spot you absolutely need to read to them guys it is story time on the everson cooper podcast it is going to be we're gonna get so many unsubscribes after this (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna lose subscribers it's okay you know what 
we really want to bring good things to the people that are listening. And this book means something to you and means something to your life. And I just think that it's adorable and you totally need to read it. So I'm going to let you uh, take this one away. All right. So I feel uh, a little embarrassed by this. So I'm not embarrassed by the book. I'm just embarrassed that I might be reading this book on, you know, on the uh, encouragement of Elizabeth. But anyway, so this book uh, actually, and I mean, it's funny that this is an impactful book because it's a children's book and it's been impactful since I was, I don't know, like two years old, three years old. And it's a book by Deborah Kovacs and it's based on the, or it features the character Grover from uh, Sesame Street, the Muppets. Uh, and it's called When is Saturday? And ultimately it's, you know, about Grover. He's, you know, like a little boy and uh, he's excited that his uncle, uh, George is coming into town. Uncle Georgie is coming into town, uh, but he's not coming into town until Saturday. And so his mom says, Hey, look, you got a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of things we got to do before uncle Georgie gets here. You can't just sit around and do nothing. You got to, you know, prioritize. You got to go to school. You got to do your homework. You got to do your chores. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta be in the moment now, you know, it's Sunday. You gotta be in the moment now. Do the things that are going to make Sunday amazing. Do the things that are going to make Monday amazing and be worthwhile. And then when uncle Georgie gets to town, you can really enjoy yourself. So <laughs> if you don't want to hear, you know, the book, and it's a short book, it's a children's book. If you don't want to hear the book, you certainly can stop listening now. Uh, we, we are so grateful that you've listened to this point. Um, so certainly we appreciate it. Don't, don't unsubscribe though. Just don't do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so When is Saturday by Deborah Kovacs. Sunday. It was a quiet Sunday and Grover was bored. There's nothing to do around here, he said. Nothing exciting ever happens. But Grover, said his mommy, something exciting is going to happen. Your Uncle Georgie is coming to visit us on Saturday. Saturday? That is very exciting, Grover said. I can hardly wait to show him my new bed and take him to the zoo. And Grover stopped. But when is Saturday, Mommy? He asked. Is tomorrow Saturday? No, Grover, said his mommy. Saturday is a week away. Today is Sunday. After that comes Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday. Oh my, said Grover. That is too many days for me to remember. How will I know when it is going to be Saturday? Grover's mommy made him a calendar. It showed all the days of the week. She drew a circle around Saturday. Let's put this calendar on the wall, she said. We'll cross out each day when it's over. That way you can always see how many days are left until Saturday. Before going to bed that night, Grover crossed crossed out Sunday on his calendar. Today was Sunday, he said to himself, five more days until Saturday. Monday, the next morning, Grover looked at his calendar. Today is Monday, he said. Monday is house cleaning day. He helped his mother do the house cleaning. Then he made a little tent house and he cleaned that too. On Monday afternoon, Grover, Perry Dawn, and Harry Monster made animals out of clay. Harry Monster made a clay kitten. Prairie Dawn made a big clay dragon. Grover made a clay cow. On Monday night, Grover drew another X on his calendar. Today was Monday, he thought, as he went to bed, four more days until Saturday. Tuesday. On Tuesday, Grover went to the store with his mother. They bought lots of vegetables to make a big pot of soup. That night, Grover made another X on his calendar. Tuesday was vegetable soup day. Only three more days until Saturday. Wednesday. On Wednesday, Grover went to Ernie and Bert's house to play. They made... They made a building with blocks. 
Wednesday afternoon, Ernie and Bert and Grover went to the library with Big Bird. It was story day. They heard a story called Rumpelstiltskin. Grover loved it. That night, Grover made an X on Wednesday. He said Wednesday was story day. Only two more days until Saturday. Thursday. On Thursday, Grover played jump rope with Harry Monster and Cookie Monster. Grover jumped 53 times without missing. Cookie Monster and Grover went to Grover's house afterwards. Grover's mom let them play with some old clothes. They played dress-up all afternoon. Grover's mother said, Why don't you ask Cookie Monster to stay overnight? Oh, Mom, said Grover, what a wonderful idea. Just before they went to sleep, Grover made another X on his calendar. Thursday, Cookie came to stay. He said happily, One more day until Saturday. Friday. Friday was the day Grover's mommy always took him to the park. Grover played on the slide with Cookie Monster. He pushed Big Bird on the swings. Then Big Bird pushed him. Then they all went to Grover's house and had cookies and milk. On Friday night, as Grover made an X on his calendar, he said, Friday was park day. Tomorrow is Saturday. Oh my goodness. No more days until Saturday. Uncle Georgie will be here tomorrow. I think I will make him up a little poem to surprise him. Saturday. Grover woke up early on Saturday. He looked at his calendar. Today is the day, he said. Uncle Georgie is coming. He hurried into the kitchen for breakfast. Just as Grover and his mommy were finishing their cereal, the doorbell rang. It was Uncle Georgie. Grover was so happy to see him. Hello, Uncle Georgie, Grover shouted, giving him a big hug. Hello, Grover, said Uncle Georgie, giving him just as big of a hug. What have you been doing? I have learned something new, said Grover, and I made a poem to tell you all about it. My poem is called The Days of the Week. Sunday, Monday, do I know another? Yes, I do. Tuesday. Do I need to ask my mother? Next come, next come Wednesday. I am sure of that. After which comes Thursday. I will give myself a pat. The next day is Friday. I can say the days out loud. And the last day is Saturday. Oh, I am so proud. When is Saturday by Deborah Kovacs? Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Seriously, we are grateful for our listeners, and we hope we that you got some goodness out of this podcast. While you're here, if you don't mind sending us a review on iTunes or just down there at the bottom of the podcast app on your phone, we would love to hear from you. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Our audience is growing, and we are thrilled that people are tuning in. That means we might be onto something with all of these great guests that we have featured. We're going to continue to have the best guests possible, so be sure to subscribe and download, and you'll get a fresh new episode every Wednesday morning. If you have listener questions for us, uh, like what's our favorite flavor of ice cream or who are the most influential people in our lives, uh, whatever you're curious about, send them to elizabeth at eversoncooper.com with the subject line, Ask ESC Podcast, or connect with us on Facebook and hashtag your question, hashtag Ask ESC Podcast. We will feature your questions in an upcoming episode. Thank you so much for listening. 